0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Gladcast Basketball Podcast. Uh, We are joined in person on the show today at Gladiators HQ at PlaySport with the newly appointed CEO Tony McDade. Tony, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much Grant, looking forward to it. Brilliant. Hopefully uh, Steve's warned you what what we get like and as you said, you have listened, so even better. Yes, I've certainly heard Steve a few times (laughs) on, so I've got a lot to live up to. So Tony has recently become the organisation's first CEO, having spent his working career kind of mostly in the education sector, so Tony... Why
1: the move to professional sport? Um, very good question, Grant. I think it was the right time. I've had an involvement in basketball all my life. Um, one of those moments for many people that have been involved in the sport. A teacher put a ball in my hand as an 11-year-old, um, fell in love with the sport, was uh, particularly interested in it, um, played and coached, and then had a parallel career, PE, in sport with my background, um, then got into education as a head teacher and a director of education, but I've been heavily involved um, with Stephen Allison through the Lady Rocks and Stephen Allison's support into some conversations about Caledonia Gladiators and how that might move forward and been in the background of some of those decisions and some of those early discussions. And then finally, I had a conversation with Stephen Allison about maybe this is time. I, I could see some of the compelling things that are happening and what a great opportunity. So you hope that the skills that you've had in one career and the interest that I have in basketball brings together and into the role of Chief Executive. So as you said you've been involved for a number of years with the Lady Rocks, so what's your own basketball journey? So very good question, I played... um uh, for, a, for a long time, was involved um, as, a, as a player through the period of the late 80s, early and ni- in, into the 90s. I played with Glasgow City for a long time. I was involved the year that Glasgow Rangers had the professional oh, team. I played nice, there nice. Uh, for, for a year, which it was there for that one year. Um, Kevin Cado coached the team, so I was involved as a as a 19-year-old in that environment, which was amazing. Um, who was the players in that team at the time? So, people people can Google them, but Butch Hayes, who yeah. was phenomenal, who played, who was uh, Michael Jordan's friend, played in the Bulls, he was drafted to the Bulls uh, with Michael Jordan, roomed with him if you watch um, the last dance. Butch Hayes is in the background somewhere as well. Um, I saw just some noise in the background there. Um, so for us, uh, there was Dan Davis, Alan Cunningham, Dan Davis uh, from the States, Alan Cunningham, Joe Moore. Alan Cunningham is... Habs on
0: below the rims. One of his favourite players. So, what a player! Cunningham is—he uh, kind of played a lot of time in
1: the British leagues. Alan Olympics. Cunningham, what a player he was. He had, he had a um, really interesting background from the states. Um, at one point, played for the Harlem Globetrotters. <laughs> Do you know, so he was—he was a phenomenal player. So there was some really, um, some of those players had played um, top end NCAA Division One were playing in a really high level, um, and Kevin Keable was an excellent coach as well. Yeah, obviously we know how much of an influence he had across the kind of British game. That's that's some journey to be honest. Uh, I I
0: didn't know that, so that's uh, that's awesome. But let
1: me be really clear: I was at the mediocre end. (laughs) Still being part (laughs) of that story is pretty cool. So obviously
0: coming across to the Gladiators. What what excites you about this project? We obviously see the move to play sport, which we're obviously in. Uh, we'll touch on obviously the big announcement yesterday of European basketball, and obviously you know about the kind of plans for the development of the kind of academy.
1: But yeah, what what attracted you, or what excites you about the project? I think it's probably that its potential, isn't it? If you th- if you think about it, what what we've managed to do is take the the progress that was made through the rocks is the men's pro franchise. I think really important putting a women's franchise together as well and being one club. I think for me then having our own arena and the really phenomenal potential of that and um, really trying to raise the profile of the sport. I think we're in a really good position from a British Basketball League perspective. I think the investment from um, 777 has helped. Whether, whether everybody will agree with that all of the time but the reality is it has moved the sport forward. People are talking about the sport um, and I think for us as a as a professional franchise, as Scotland's professional franchise, I think it's about the unlimited potential it has for me, and then really how we can engage with the community. There's there's been lots of opportunity in the past around basketball, but this feels like a genuine potential for us to to put our roots somewhere and to really try and grow yeah, the sport. It
0: feels from obviously I get I speak to guys like yourself, Sean, and it, but it does seem like the kind of needle's moving in every direction in terms of it's not just on on the court, it's not just off the court. There's a whole kind of journey of new facility and the, the routes have been set to allow it to expand rather than maybe a house being built in sand as such maybe.
1: Yeah, and that's probably my role within this as well, is to try to bring that, that notion around how we put an infrastructure in place. Um, there's again some really good work from from the people already in existence of, of people like Sean and Lisa and all of the, the team but really in order to move forward you need to build that infrastructure you need to try and put some um, our connection with business partners and sponsors we need to try and do that properly obviously we need to try and engage as many young people as possible to love the game and come and, and watch the game really importantly to have a competitive team you know when the players cross the white line you know that they're, they're really focused and that for us to support Uh, Gareth or to support Miguel that really needs to be all of us being channeled around doing that so if you take all of those things together what you then hope is that this is this is just all of those parts really give you an opportunity and allow you to look really further forward um, about the potential that we have.
0: Obviously we had the the big exciting breaking news last (laughs) night which was great timing for this as well (laughs) because (laughs) Uh, Fiba couldn't have timed it any better, <laughs> to be honest. So obviously, thanks to them, uh, yeah. How it signs that for? Obviously, we we now know the route that the men's team are taking. We know that the women are also going
1: into Europe. How it signs that for the whole the whole franchise organisation? We hope that that's a, 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 that statement of intent. Yeah. You can see from what Steve and Allison have said, and it has been compelling during last season, that this is our ambition. Well, hopefully, what people will see from this is this is us acting upon that. This is about moving it forward. Not just saying it. It's not just words. It's not just words. And also it's not um, just the notion that we would do this for the sake of it. The players have earned the right. The men's team earned the right last year. There was a successful season. You know, the the finishing fourth in the league and then, of course, the BBL uh, trophy win. And then the women finishing second in the British Basketball League. Those are the things that earn the right for players to put themselves in that environment. What we then hope as a franchise is that we have people coming to us and saying, you know, this is a massive opportunity. Players who might have been thinking, we're not really sure. That raises the standard of the league. That raises the standard generally across um, the sport. And it also makes us look more outwardly. That That we're saying that we can go into an environment in Europe, that people know that there are British teams that will enter. It's great that there are four teams that are looking from a men's perspective, that are looking into the British, into to Europe. We also hope that there's, a, there's an ambition around the women's team as well. So it was a perfectly timed announcement, I think. Yes. Not, uh, although we didn't quite know about it. <laughs> <laughs> it does sound, it just sound like difficult basketball. <laughs> people work their own deadlines and people? Yeah.
0: But yeah, I suppose just as you said, for the overall franchise, or even for the league, it's a massive kind of yeah. pool for a lot of whether player recruitment, but also external things like community work as well,
1: isn't it? Yeah, what we want people to know is to recognise the, the name of Caledonia Gladiators. We want people to recognise the quality of the British Basketball League. For us, this is about growing the quality of that league itself. Us all being involved in that and being really clear that we're stepping forward. And you need to then be able to put yourself and test yourself in that environment. Um, I've heard Steve a couple of times on the podcast talk about that gap. Yeah. You go in and you if you win or you lose then you know where you are it's learning opportunities of isn't it, it? Is. And, that's, yeah. and
0: that's something from you're, you're saying it Steve says it as well but well, if you don't do it you never know yeah. and I think for, I my, my personal opinion on the roundabout Europe and the BBL is that some teams have just been almost playing it safe and happy with the kind of state's quo of it so it's brilliant to see and I'm obviously delighted that it's the gladiators <laughs> doing it and kind of going you know what we're doing this and it's not just in the men's team it's actually the women as well
1: completely isn't sport about uh, taking yourself out of your comfort zone Absolutely. and I think this is an ex- a perfect example of that in which you take a deep breath collectively <laughs> put yourself in that environment and test yourself. And then as a fan get your passport ready <laughs> and
0: see where you're off yeah. to
1: and we'll, we'll, we'll all be there together <laughs> <laughs> I know and so
0: I, I suppose the route seems to be for the men, BCL qualifiers then drop down into
1: Europe Cup or Euro Cup, whatever one it may be it would be the Euro, Euro Cup, um, from from my recollection of that as well. But you're, you're quite right. Put, put yourself in the first place and then yeah, see what it ne- the next bit absolutely. takes us. Um, and what you hope, and I think really for us, the key for us, is that there are some home fixtures. That we really get the opportunity, not just to go away for a couple of events, away from home. In fact, people here get to see what European basketball looks like yeah. and and the quality that goes along with that. Top class you uh, high performance sport at its best the theatre of basketball um, and, and seeing that from a European perspective, we hope that that sells the game, yeah. that we hope that people get really excited by that That you know, young people that have never seen that or maybe only ever seen it through the NBA do you really capture the excitement and we, we think that Europe is a, is a perfect way of doing that. I suppose if you do look at it that way you just have to look at the top
0: end of the NBA at the moment it's all European guys Janice, Lucas that are uh, leading the way in, yeah. or the Joker as well. <laughs> So, of course is guys leading the way are all kind of european and it'd be uh, brilliant to see more british scottish people taking that opportunity to see it to then maybe
1: asp- aspire, insp- aspire to be like that you've also got to ask yourself a question why can't it be like that yeah don't you around ambition because ultimately those players had to start somewhere you had to start as a 10-year-old or an 11-year-old and you hope that they've been inspired somewhere along yeah. the way. And it might be because their country has had a tradition in it, but you need to start somewhere. Yeah. And that starting might very well be that 11-year-old seeing a European player coming and play sport in East bright, and really being engaged Absolutely. and then ultimately them aiming for that. We, we now have an environment in which we can, we can do that, I think. Um, amazing.
0: Uh, it's... Really, really exciting. And I suppose you just had to see the reaction on, online last night and even into this morning of both fans, of Gladiators fans around the
1: league, of that kind of excitement and saying, like, oh, this is going to be good, or exciting anyway. It's been tremendous. There's been lots of people who have been contacting us today as well. And we've also had some journalists who would not traditionally come... And talk about, you know, some yeah, sports yeah. journalists that are then coming in and showing a real interest in it and saying, wait a minute, something is happening. Yeah, what, what does this mean and how, how can we make money out of it? <laughs> it be, ex- that's probably the thing for I the journalists, ex- isn't it? That's
0: exactly what's happening. <laughs> so obviously, uh, going back to yourself, I know it's kind of early days in the role, but what is it that you see as your kind of first big job to kind of tick off or...
1: Well, I think there's two or three <laughs> jobs. I'd like to say there was only one big job. <laughs> I think by the nature of this job there will be several el- there are several elements to yeah, it. Of course. First of all is obviously trying to make sure that we get the roster sorted with Sean and Lisa and the coaches. They're well underway and this you know, that off season is making sure that our teams are ready. Yeah. you need to make that's that needs to be the priority the second big one is making sure the arena's ready <laughs> <laughs> um, and you know that becomes a real priority for us as well that people can come in they can see the fan zone they can see the arena itself and and they get a real buzz and it is something completely different to them as well um so i would say that those are the two big things at the moment there are several other things that sit behind that as well trying to put our high performance or academy structure in place as well and really just trying to, to grow some of the structures within the club and the organisation. So lots of jobs. There's <laughs> lots of jobs. Some of them glamorous, some of them less so. Absolutely and I suppose that's the exciting
0: thing of professional basketball, isn't yeah. it? Yeah very much, very much. So obviously just we you touched on the heading into the kind of new season, no doubt recruitment's kind of needing completion. Um, how are both rosters
1: looking and what can fans expect from the teams on court do you think? I think fans will be excited by uh, by the rosters themselves. I, again, we're trying to show a level of ambition through um, both teams, through the men's team and through the women's teams and themselves. But ultimately, it's about improvement, isn't it? You're, you measure yourself by improving yeah. and our real focus will be trying to push on from the really good position that we were in last year. I do believe that uh, Gareth and Miguel are outstanding coaches with an outstanding coaching team across uh, both Teams themselves, but but really, what we're looking for is that genuine sense of improvement. Can they come in and compete every single week? We know, or you, when you reflect back and you do an evaluation, there's always things that you can improve on, both from a performance perspective and indeed a club perspective. And that's really up to the coaching teams to look at. And can we help to support them? You know, you look at the environment that we have around. Um, Strength and conditioning, or physiotherapy, or all of the sports science infrastructure. Can we? How do we support the players? And um, how do we support the coaching teams? That's the same around the performance levels on the floor and making sure that there's a roster there that's deep enough. In actual fact, to cope with both a domestic program and indeed now some European I games. Would you saw that with London last
0: year? and yeah. Probably both their men and women's team. the those pressures of both did take their toll. There was times when London were playing with okay it was 7 very very good players but still that's not the 12 or 15 they weren't able to go that deep They almost had some games more on their inactive list than their active list so I suppose it's taken into consideration all those factors as well
1: yeah that the reality of professional sport isn't it and the demands that are placed on players and looking at their load you know, what's that, what does that look like over a month how do we try to build in some rest periods for them they're at their maximum level when they're on the floor and making sure that they're inevitably injuries happen and by the nature of the sport you're up in there a lot when you're landing some players will get injured it's just the nature of it we just need to make sure that they're supported as best we can and indeed if there's some degree of injury which does happen the, the, there's a process of recovery uh, players are supported and the coaching team are supported and so is
0: that something that becomes a lot easier to manage now with play sport as the home yeah. of the gladiators rather than in the past where One minute, your men's team are training over, say, the Kelvin Hall, the girls over in the Lagoon, or wherever it may be Emirates or anywhere round about Glasgow, having that all in one place, strength and conditioning suite here, no
1: doubt as well, becomes easier. The logistics are incredibly important. I mean, that, that might seem a bit dull, but you're quite right. If you take a strength and conditioning suite, which we're putting, we're going to put in just now, Um, The reality is that we know that we can schedule the players' practice times. We can look at when when it's available to us. We'll have a practice court and the main court. So there's two courts sitting there. So even from a scheduling point of view, when do players do their strength and conditioning? When do they then go on the floor? Um, What does that look like? And obviously the coaching teams look at that. They look at how they manage the players on a day-to-day basis or a week-to-week basis. But we're now in a position where we don't say, "Oh, we don't even think we have a hall today. Which is is the reality (laughs) And it's Um, the reality for a lot of Scottish sport (laughs) (laughs) Indeed it is is. So we're in a very fortunate position We'll not take that for granted Absolutely, We're in a very fortunate position And we'll try and utilise that during the course of next season And how much are you seeing it, especially during this
0: off-season Gareth and Miguel working together Is there that crossover
1: happening between both teams? It really is And to see it close up has been fascinating And what you can see is them having a discussion around some players um, them talking together about whether they think that person is a fit, what the strengths of that player will be, actually talking about style of play and what that might look like, um, and you, not just with Gareth and Miguel, you've got Shan, um, you've you've had uh, Daryl in the mix as well, and you can really see them work off each other. I think seeing this close up will be the true benefit yeah. for the club that yeah. you can really see people who've got some expertise in the sport really learn from each other, and I think if we can create an environment in which our coaches feel that they're going to be continually learning, and learn from each other, then everybody benefits from that. And
0: that's why a really unique situation, like, doesn't probably happen in any other club in the country, where you're seeing those two, if you just take the top two to guys, Miguel and Gareth, brains coming together to say, what do you think of this person, or this, how is this going to work, it's going to be very
1: beneficial. Yeah, you I do think there's a direct benefit. I don't think that's simply about um you know it's a nice thing to do. I think it's a genuine benefit for us. It is a unique opportunity that we have. They it happens to be they get on well with each other. Which is good. <laughs> <Let me tell. laughs> and and they're they're good in that environment. But even with that their, their discussion and their technical discussion around the game really moves their own thinking forward yeah. and if you can move their own thinking forward around their development as coaches because no matter whether you're in the, the game as a as a rookie coach or you're 20 or 30 years down the line you need to continue to, to, to develop and to learn the game changes doesn't of it and if you need to be ahead of the curve yeah. not chasing something and i think what we see with both gareth and miguel are people who are pretty humble and um, their their behaviors are superb as they're, they're great role models for our players and indeed for our community because they listen they're, they're humble in what they do they, they don't believe they know all of the answers so and I think when you have people who are, who don't believe they know everything they're willing to go and try and listen to other people as well and you can see that with each other I suppose you're talking about Gary being so humble it came across, I don't know if you would have seen it the video
0: that he did when he was speaking to I think it was either the under 20s or under 18s yeah. GB guys and with said, Alan you know, with, yeah with Alan and uh, Steve I think uh, and it was amazing just hearing what you are saying about how like he didn't play the junior levels but he never gave up got his opportunities into his mid to late 30s um, mid to late 20s sorry and was involved for 10 years and not giving up and that's such a good kind of learning to take from as a youngster or whatever and having those kind of role models in our game now
1: and he's been able to take that into coaching as well you know, hasn't he I think I you can see that you being a coach has to fit who you are as a person and I think you can see him evolve into a coaching role that takes the strength of him as a player the very things that you've just mentioned about stickability around the part about determination about being able to put up with the fact that it will not always go well for you I think that he he encapsulates that for us and then what you have with Miguel is somebody who's pretty much seen and done it all but doesn't reflect on that doesn't live on that lives on the next thing not the last thing and really has a desire to do really well and to see them working together and I, I, going back to Gareth I think that he is somebody that is you've seen his growth as a coach even during the, the course of last year um, I think him having the opportunity not to think about being a player and a coach which is a, almost an impossible task and he managed that yeah. I think by managing that just probably showed you what he was going to be like and I, I think we believe that we've got um, Really, to the best people possible in those circumstances, and I think that's our long-term commitment to them as well. And then supported by people like Shan or Darryl, um that that coaching environment for us is really then how that translates to players, yeah. and indeed right through the whole club. Brilliant.
0: So let's let's move on a slightly. And uh, Steve spoke last time on the podcast about creating that fan experience and game nights here uh, at PlaySport, and obviously with the plans of the kind of the smaller.
1: Many project before obviously the kind of grandeur, kind of plan. What excites you about those plans? I think it's about a game day experience. We really have the opportunity to do a couple of things here Grant. We, people who love basketball, we think we're going to give them a high quality product. that They're going to come and they're going to see some excellent players, um, both from a, a men and women's point of view. So we want the basketball community that exists within Scotland. There's a big basketball community in Scotland, as we know, because we've been involved in it, that they get the opportunity to come and see the thing that they love. However, we also recognise that lots of people don't really know the game. And what we want to do is give them a whole, that whole entertainment. entertainment yeah. Come to the fan zone, come before, come up with your family, come with your pal, have something to eat, have something to drink, see the environment itself there'll be some music there will be the uh, some fans on entertainment before you then go into the to the arena we then want that arena to be high quality with the jumbotron and with with a, a fan engagement activity as well i think we also want to try to involve fans in that fans are the lifeblood of professional sport that there's a genuine emotional connection that they're not just tuning in for the one and a half hours Although with some of the calls last that year, was two hours. Hours. it was the biggest, <laughs> biggest <laughs> bug. I think it was every week, on, on another game going two hours. You could have almost set your watch by 90 minutes at one stage in basketball. Oh, I think you're now at two hours, aren't you? two hours. Yeah. <laughs> Five o'clock taps finished at seven. Exactly. So from our point of view, what you hope is that during that period of time that there's a genuine engagement and people come away loving the game. They come away from the game thinking, when's the next one? Or I'm really interested. They see the mascots. They see the entertainment value that comes along with it. They see dancers, and, and and from there, what they're doing is that they're they're aspiring to something, and and actually they're having a good time.
0: I've I've got to I've still to have the conversation with my, my five year old about the the mascot uh, change. So I'm I'm. As the season gets closer, I'm going to have to ease that one into conversation.
1: Now, you might... Well, we can have this conversation later in the season, but I think they will be delighted at the change. Now, that's not saying that Rocky wasn't wasn't superb, but what I'm suggesting is that the next iteration will be really good. Yeah, no doubt will be. No doubt will be. But
0: I think... uh, I don't think I said this to Steve last time round, but in March there I was away in Berlin with some friends on a stag do such when we went to an Alba Berlin, Albert Berlin. Mer- match and a lot of my friends, a couple of them were basketball guys, a lot of them weren't. And it's amazing how the whole arena set up, the whole atmosphere, the lights, the jumbotron, the engagement between the kind of, on-court, off-court, outside of the arena as well, was superb. And a lot of them went like, Grant, is this something that happens fan experience kind of wise at home and I was like well to a lesser degree yeah everything what yourself Tony said Steve said is about it's not just Americanizing it it's just making it feel like a good place to come and be and you said entertainment that's what we're all
1: looking for now we want people to have fun we want people to enjoy an, an environment in which it is genuine entertainment but we also want to write our own story with this you know this needs to be created around Caledonia Gladiators. Mm. That story for us, we get the opportunity to do that. We get that as a Scottish professional basketball team. So we have a, a distinct identity. We want everybody to feel part of that identity collected, collectively, that there, there is an emotional connection to us. And you do that why, by bringing people in, them thinking, wow, this is something that we're really interested in. This is, And it has a high ambition that there's quality behind what you do. We're not. we understand that people will have to put their hand in their pocket in a time in which obviously financially people have other considerations so what we want to do is that this is it's a no-brainer for them Mm. they're thinking they've got a family or they're with their pal what can we do or can I go and check if we've got a game on and really looking and thinking I'm coming into the game And, and I'm seeing it not just as that one and a half hour but they're coming prior to it they're maybe staying a wee bit later or indeed there's an opportunity with the fan zone that people can come and watch an away game that's something that we hope is a bit different, yeah, absolutely. particularly if you take Europe now, and we've got a European night, and it's away from home, and we, for those who don't, Grant, I'm hoping you're on the plane with us, but, <laughs> but, but <laughs> it's that I'm not. Someone's paid for it, <laughs> it's like, well, um, well, maybe we'll talk about that later. Brilliant. That's, that's been recorded. <laughs> um, the reality for us is that people can come in here, and, and come as, an, as a group, and then you know, have some food watch the game mix together and have a sense of a Caledonian Gladiator um, identity yeah. for us
0: and I suppose that's something that I think a lot of the teams around the league have struggled with since Covid is bringing back that kind of identity or that kind of fan engagement because a lot of the time the hardcore British Basketball League community is quite small yeah. in terms of putting their hands in their pocket supporting their team and teams do need to work hard to bring that audience in and creating those wee Changes, differences, entertainment again puts it away from you know what. This isn't just a forty minute match or an hour and a half time. It's actually two, or three hours of brilliant a family time, or time with your pals, and it's it's
1: great to hear these plans. To be honest, you hope that when people come along, or we believe when people come along, that what they'll see is this opportunity. They will see that if they've not been to a game before, they go away loving basketball, but they'll have been entertained during yeah. the course of that and it's been something that they've really enjoyed and for them we then believe that they will go and tell other people about it as well Absolutely so
0: let's talk about uh, the leagues as such especially let's concentrate in the WBBL first Um, there was a lot of comments made towards the end of the season um, about the kind of raising the standards Um, what do you see as the kind of future of the WBBL because Steve had also mentioned in in the podcast with me last time about well if it's not going to be good enough We'd maybe look at doing something else. What do you so? Yeah, what what do
1: you see as the future of the WBL? It needs to be of parity to the the men's league, doesn't it? I mean, it's a no brainer. Yeah. In this in this situation, so for me and the reality for us is that if you're going to invest in a professional women's team, that the quality of the league and the quality of that product is exactly mm. the the same as the product of the British Basketball Men's version of that. That it's not a a university, a bucks plus league. Yeah. Because and ultimately that's not a criticism of universities, because ultimately you can understand that universities have a high performance programme, but you're then limited. Yeah. If it's a professional league, that you're having a distinct professional team, that there's a professional environment in which you're looking at the the in, the playing arena that, that people are playing in, that we're moving away from school games halls or university games halls and we're trying to make sure that those high performing women athletes are then given the same opportunity. That that will look at it and th- that doesn't mean exactly the same experience because the games are slightly different but what we need to try to do is to grow the game and we need to try to make sure that there are people and there are four or five clubs definitely with that level of ambition. There must be others out there as well. For me this is not about a look back this needs to be a look forward what do we do next on this yeah. we strengthen this about the standards that that's expected that our expectation is that that game experience and that experience for fans is of is of is of real quality mm-hmm. if you can do that then you'll improve the game you improve the environment and indeed more people will come and be in, engaged in that process and not think of it as a second best because at the moment, if you're really honest about it, it, it looks completely different. It, yeah. it does look an environment in which we're asking our uh, players who worked really hard during the course of the week to go onto a floor that actually, when you look at it, you look at the recording of the game or you look at the game. What say, colour lines is it? Exactly. The what? What? Yeah. What colour the lines? What's the baskets like? Um, what? Where is the the um, where are the referees? I'm sitting on a bench, literally as a school hall bench. <laughs> we need to move the game forward, and I think there's an ambition there to do that, and to give the British Basketball League some credit. I think that they recognise that. I think that that would be what you believe. Mm. That there, there is, and my optimism around that will be. There's a groundswell, and there's certainly a key number of people who recognise that. What we need to do is keep bringing that to the table, yeah. and keep reminding people that this, the Women's League, needs an investment and needs to be of a needs to have parity. There needs to be a similar standard. I suppose you saw. I think it was today the announcement that the WBL has the kind of first almost paid employee
0: of the a general manager, and that's the kind of a starting yeah. stone as opposed to yeah. moving it forward.
1: It's, it's a starting point and you need to start somewhere mm. I, I think that's a good move I think that when you see the speed in which the, the men's league has moved forward we'll be able to measure the women's league if, they can, if, they, if that can move at the same pace <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely so similarly on the BBL
0: side we see the influence obviously of, as you touched on earlier 777 on the league and on the London Lions uh, and obviously the league looking for kind of new ownerships for certain clubs uh, what do you believe that the kind of BBL looks like short term, from what you've seen already?
1: I think it's a strengthening product. I think when you look at it, and okay, there's a bit of uncertainty around Manchester, but there's interest in it. Um, if I take the positives, if you look at the influence of London, you could take the, the the viewpoint. Oh well, you know they're they're getting ahead of everybody. That's who we need to get after then, isn't it? <laughs> And not feel sorry for ourselves in that in that. A situation. There are some really um, good clubs that have been in the British Basketball League for a long period of time. You know the Leicesters and Newcastle's of this world. You, they're they're strengthening up what they do. You can see the new arena around Sheffield, where it's on the move, isn't it? Yeah. You've got to feel that British basketball is on the move. That there's a momentum that sits behind it. So even in that short term, you just need to look at the stats that have been produced recently. Yeah, of course. The the number of people that are coming to the games, the number of people that are engaging around the British Basketball League, it's not the, this is not the end though, I think we need to be clear there's a long way to go before you get to the ambition of being w- one of those leagues that are looked at, re- and, and again, why can't it be people looking at the British Basketball League as a huge product that sits with the Spains of this world and the Greece of this world, why can't that be the case? I don't. I don't understand why you would be telling me that can't happen. I think if you look at the levels of investment, if you look at its potential, if you look at the urban nature of the sport in Britain, the demographic of people that follow it, it really can be utilised and we we can move it forward. Right,
0: last question for you. Um, And I feel like I always say this question or have a question like this and you go, it's a long question. So what is your vision of the Gladiators for five years time?
1: that gladiators are competing at the highest level possible. That can mean within Europe, that means within the context of um, Britain but actually Caledonia gladiators have changed the nature of basketball in Scotland and in the UK. That we have people if you walk down a street in Perth or in Aberdeen (laughs) and somebody says to you who are the Caledonia gladiators they'll be able to tell you who we are. Brilliant. Tony, thank you for your time. Uh, I'm going to say this evening but this afternoon and
0: yeah, good luck with this first Your first season With the Gladiators And all the best To the club For this season as well
1: Grant Thank you very much